I've got an absolute jumper for you, Steve, about my golf this week. Go on. A, che a cheating incident. Either that or a massive misunderstanding about how Texas Scramble works. Uh, are you are you going? Is this podcast going to be finished after after its second episode? It's uh, honestly, it's a good one. So I'm I'm in Italy, right, at, in Rome, uh, an event called IGTM, which stands for International Golf Travel Market, and it's a meeting of uh, the golf resorts, tour operators, um, tourist boards the great and the good of the golf travel industry basically from around the world it's a great place to get ill as well um obviously it's been somewhat affected by covid in recent years so this year it's kind of back with a bang uh, and it's taking place in a gigantic conference center in the middle of rome uh, and it's here because it's sort of one year countdown till the Ryder cup which is at marco simone next year so some people were fortunate enough to play marco simone on monday one of the official event golf days some other people, okay. me included, uh, didn't commit to coming till too late. So I played a different golf course, um, which let's just say it's unlikely to ever hold a Ryder Cup. Um, but it was very near my hotel, by which I mean it, the first tee was basically in the car park. Anyway, the format right of this day is Texas Scramble. Uh, and there's a lot of people from a lot of different countries there's a lot of people for whom English is not their first language. There's a lot of people trying to communicate with each other in their second language. Uh, there's a lot of people not turned up because it's quite a boozy sort of trip. So the original groups are all a bit of a mess. Uh, it's a shotgun start, which is adding to the confusion. Uh, so I arrived and there was the, the guy who was organising the golf day. He was kind of reading out people's names in like the fashion of a town crier and then sort of sending them off to various tees around the golf course. Um, so I was playing in a group, and this it sounds like the start of a bad joke, with a, Span a Spanish man, a French lady, and a German. Uh, and our handicaps were plus two, um, 36 for the lady, 28 for the uh, German, and 12 for the Spanish chap. Um, anyway, we just I basically just wrote down the gross score and ignored the... Um, Texas Scramble handicap system. Thought we'd work it out at the end because it was a medal, and the handicap on the card was like totally wrong because the groups had changed. Um, and we had one of those rounds where it was like the round of our lives kind of thing. Like, yeah, sometimes this happens, doesn't it, in a group, in particular in Texas Scramble. We had no bogeys. We birdied all the par fives. Um, we were, putts were dropping in from miles away, like just like twenty footer after twenty footer. It's just cracking. Because like every time it looked like we might make a bogey, we someone would knock a putt in. Um, everyone was high five in. Um, it's very, and it was like very peculiar because it was basically me playing on my own with loads of shots. If that makes sense. Ably assisted by some good putting from my playing partners, and occasionally the Spanish dude who was pretty handy off the twelve. Uh, anyway, so we get in, uh, and I'm pretty sure we've definitely won. I see a friend of mine, Christian, colleague of mine, Christian, who has had the same gross score as us, but his group is a load of people off single figures, right? So they're definitely getting less, fewer shots than us. Um, anyway, so we hand the scores in and then Christian is announced as the winner. So I'm very confused by this. 
I'm confused further because we are third with a net 53 in Stableford, right? Which you would think in, in medal, sorry, which we think we're pretty good to win a scramble, wouldn't you? Uh, Christian's group recorded a net 41. A net 41? So like 31 under par? It's par 72. Uh, not only that, there was a group in second place with a net 43. Um, and the handicaps of Christian's group were, well, they, they got eight shots. So apparently they'd had a gross 49. How, how, how? Seems unlikely, doesn't it? Like, like how? I mean, I have, listen, in Texas Scramble, I've, I mean, like 53, 54, that would usually, yeah. you'd usually be in the frame with that, wouldn't you? Net 53 is getting the job done, isn't it? Yeah, well, like no, I mean, I have seen a, I have seen a very low 50 in my time. I have seen like a 51. Maybe not a 41. I've never seen a 41. So I imagine the, I imagine you handled this in the arm um, way for which I know you, or did you kick up a fuss? So I went and spoke to the, the Italian chap who was organising it, and it was basically impossible to explain why this wasn't possible. He kept saying, oh, it's just how the Italian handicap system works. And I kept saying, yeah, I understand that it might be different, but there's just no way that it can, a net 65 with their handicaps can't lead to, a gross 65 with their handicaps can't lead to a net 41. It's impossible. And also, we've literally just had the best round of our lives and we've lost by 14. Uh, sorry, by 12. It's like, how is it? It just doesn't compute. Anyway, so then he sort of began to understand my logic and went to check the cards. Uh, and then he came back and he changed our score but not the 41. And at that point, I was just sort of laughing and thought it doesn't matter. Anyway, then we were giving Christian like dogs abuse on our WhatsApp and calling him all sorts of names. And he got very upset. So he walked two kilometers back to the clubhouse from his hotel uh, to go and sort of basically say, we won, but I don't think we should have won. And the people were so cross that their judgment was still <laughs> a question. Uh, like half an hour later that he was then getting pelters from them as well. So he was getting it from all angles. Um, so we've made him we've made him donate the hundred euro voucher that he won to uh, another colleague who's here whose birthday it was. Which agreed that we'll speak about it no more. Yeah, wow. Wow, net 41. Exactly. So there's I was thinking there's definitely a podcast on formats because Texas Scramble is uh, it's strategic, right? There's awful an awful lot to it. Where does the better player go first or last or blah, 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 blah. It was really good. But you had the absolute perfect group, didn't you? Because you had you, who, who were obviously basically going to be responsible for a lot of the golf shots, because obviously you can find yeah. fairways and greens. Um, but you've also got a handy player who can hit it close on the occasions where you don't. And then you've got two other players who can hold putts and are, are like absolutely tanking up your allowance on the it's perfect group, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, the lady we had was really, really good at putting. It was brilliant. We had a great time, which made it all the more annoying that we ended up losing by 12. <laughs> oh, Christian, you're never going to live this one down. It is really is the gift that keeps on giving. Anyway, so that's what I've been doing. He thinks his handicap should be about six shots more than it is anyway. So to get to get 
destroyed in this fashion must have been doubly irritating for him. I'm glad you've played golf. I haven't. I, I had a weekend off. No golf. But well, I guess um, all of this Texas scramble shenanigans in different countries and different handicaps uh, and a new golf course kind of segues us neatly into our topic for today, our big topic for today, uh, which is the world handicap system. Um, we've also got a really good rules query to do later on, but I think we'll do the meat and potatoes, shall we, first, um, of WHS. Have we, have we got um, enough time? I mean, I'm, I've just started listening to this podcast um, by this uh, by this like entrepreneur technology guy, and his average podcast is like, well, the one I'm listening to at the moment is two hours, 34 minutes. And I was okay. thinking, do you know what? This could easily be two hours, 34 minutes getting into the world handicap system. And we could be here all day. Yeah. I think uh, it's a big topic and it deserves a big answer, as Noel Gallagher once said. Uh, the And yesterday, like sorry, the goal for Monday, rather, uh, there was a lot, there were a lot of variables not helped by the language barrier, but not also helped by we had to work out a playing handicap the course handicap from our indexes uh i think they capped the limit of the handicap so the lady was actually off 45 and she was cut to 36 so on and so forth and then we had obviously the handicap to calculate the handicap for the format um which is some convoluted 25 percent of this and 20 percent of the other i think um so and it was obviously kind of made possible uh, in theory that we've now got this equitable cross-border system um we're two years on from approaching two years on from uh, the advent of whs in britain uh, and it hasn't been without its problems so i i, I don't know how we're going to do this i've made some notes about what i think the issues are and then i you will probably be able to tell me some more do you, want me to, do you want me to give you an opening statement? Because obviously I've spent most of the last five years in WHS in one form or another. So I am pretty clear. Let me go through my little list. And oh, then he, wants to get it, he, he wants to get it off his chest. You get it off your chest, Tom. Well, this is what I think the issues are. So we've got cross submitting of scores cross-border. We've got the fact that T's are not stroke rated for all genders and therefore abilities. We've got issues with playing course calculation, whatever it's called, PCC. Um, we've got this business of casual rounds allowing people to manipulate the handicap up or down to suit them. We've got this peculiar thing where we've got a brand new system, but then we still have to make a secondary adjustment to play match play against one another, which is odd if the system's fit for purpose. Um, it seems like it's up on the one hand complicated, so we have to do some calculating before we can even go and play golf. But then on the other hand, it seems like it's kind of dumbed down golf. Um, so there's now none of this kind of like formality around competitions because every round is effectively could be a competitive round. Um, so some of it feels like it's because it's new. Some of it feels sort of fundamentally a bit flawed. Some of it feels like issues they could iron out. What do you reckon? So. I, I was pretty in favour of WHS before it was introduced, mainly on the grounds that I really liked the idea of uh, 
handicaps changing with difficulty, of course. You know, I, I did like the idea. I mean, it, it was it was that I know CSS did this to a point, but but you never ever in a when you went to play somewhere else. If I went to if I went to Troon to go and play around, I never ever looked at CSS on the scorecard or SSS and then said, oh, right, I'll add another three to my score. You know, your handicap was just your handicap. So I really like the idea of your handicap changing in terms of the difficulty of the course. Um, I, I really liked the idea of being able to go to other courses and um, and put scores in for handicap. That, that was a really attractive thing for me as someone who plays a decent amount of golf away from his home club. You know, I do get about both with my job and and socially because I like playing a lot of different courses. So I was I was generally in favour of it. As as time has gone on, I've become less enthusiastic about it. And I, and I think that's not so much because of the system, Tom, but because of the way it's implemented or not implemented, um, depending on where you are. So I mean, I know we're going to get into some of these topics, but two years on you know trying to put a score in in another country is still an unbelievable faff i mean like much more than it should be um you know we, we say secondly we, we say we play to a world handicap system we play to a unified system across the globe but we don't we don't some some places do course rating some places do course rating minus par some some Countries say that match play can count for handicapping. Some say it don't. Some say four balls can play. So it's all like the way that it's being implemented. I could get into a rant here. I need to stop so we can move on. But it could get into all sorts of different things. Let me just let me just sort of allow you to pause for breath a minute while I'm just going to I'm kind of going to split those two things in that one that one point into two. So it's called I think what you're saying is it's called World Handicap System. So on the one hand, we're saying it's not actually a world no. handicap system because there still are variables between country to country. Um, so the system, or not the system, or the, the implementation of the system in England in terms of what is a counting round uh, is different from, let's say, in the US where they've been using a, a more similar system for longer. So perhaps you could just explain some of the detail around that, like what are some of the nuanced differences between uh how it's been implemented rather than the software issue oh christ you know put me on the spot here i'm gonna have to do some i'm gonna have to do some like emergency research no, no i mean look so off the top of my head um so like listeners do not take this as absolute gospel but off the top of my head there are uh various ways uh, that a round can count so um in america for example i believe i'm correct in saying this essentially every round counts right you basically have to go and put a score in um in the uk you don't have to do that you know you, you, not every round has to count and i think that provides its own problems actually with the way that whs has implemented this country with a lot of people are putting in all of their rounds and someone like me is only putting in one round every fortnight when I play. I think that I think that brings its own issues. But there are also things in terms of the formats of the game. So here, essentially, it's individual golf, Tom. It's medal, stable third. I don't think we actually need to get into the weeds of the sort of um, different clauses. I think the fundamental difference is that in England, you choose whether you're going to submit a score. Yeah, you say before I'm playing, I am submitting a score, whereas yeah. everywhere else or in the US, the score just counts. It automatically updates on their Gin app. Now they, in Ireland and I think in, well, definitely in America, 
they have um, a uh, a way of you finishing off a hole that you haven't actually finished off, don't they? So they have um, presumed score basically. So this is why they can count match play rounds. And this is why they can count um, pairs better ball rounds. So if you and I are paired together in a better ball and you've made a par on a hole and I can't get a better score than a par, then I pick my ball up. I don't finish the hole off. But in order for that round to count for my handicap, I have to put a number into the app. And they have a, a guide that basically says, if you're this far from the hole, add one. If you're this far from the hole, add two. Um, so you're able to submit a, an assumed score. So you still have this business where that assumed score, I would say that nine times out of 10 is lower than you would actually score. So you have this kind of falsely low handicaps often still in the States. And I thought this is the precise problem that WHS would resolve. And I just don't think it has because the system is, is fundamentally not the same because in the one instance, you submit in every score and you have like a very comfortable way of score being uh, portrayed to facilitate that. And in our countries, we have uh, the opposite where we still choose whether we're submitting a score or not. Yeah, I mean, and let's be clear, right, why we're choosing. Um, because I'm sure that when this evolution was happening, um, everyone would have liked everyone to have been on the same page. We're choosing in the UK because British golfers wouldn't accept putting in every score for handicap. You just could not get that through. There's no way you'd be able to get clubs to do that. They just wouldn't do it. I mean, I remember when uh, three or four years ago, uh, two or three years, sorry, before WHS, England Golf put out a statement asking club committees to monitor out of season roll ups and like gatherings because, you know, there was the idea that people were improving massively over the winter and yet the handicaps weren't catching up and then they were dominating club competitions early on in the season. And this was a and this was a way of kind of like stopping that, right? You've got a player who's shooting 45 points every week in your winter league, then then dock their handicap, cut them. And how did clubs respond to that on the whole? Did they say, oh, we're going to enthusiastically grasp this? Clubs I was involved with at the time went, no. Nah not doing this loads more extra work so there was there was no way that you would be able to get that premise here in the uk would you golfers just wouldn't stand for it so you've got a fundamental divergence with whs straight away like straight away what you're basically saying is once again we've got brexit parallels where we want to be in the system but we want it on our terms really so we'd like to be in the eu but we're definitely not having the currency and it might go the same way. No, we've got. I've taken too many steps there. So we've got this. That is a that is a fundamental problem. I agree. Like we've gone in disparate directions on something that's supposed to be unifying from the start, and then that has been compounded by um, this issue where we can't submit scores uh, cross border. So if we're playing golf in a different territory, there's no simple way of submitting that score. Yeah, I mean. Maybe this will happen in due course. So there's been this pilot project um, between England, Scotland and Ireland and Wales, I believe. It's called interoperability that England Golf have been doing with the other governing bodies on behalf of the RNA and the USGA. Um, and at the moment, that pilot is ongoing. It's still not as I would like it to be because the way that you submit your score is still convoluted. You know, you have to basically give your cards to the host club and let them get on with it. I still don't like that, but I understand that ISVs, sorry, um, software providers, let's not jargon it, 
Um, so club systems, for example, in, uh, Intelligent Golf, the people who run um, your club's competitions essentially or manage them, you put your score into the computer there. Um, they, have, 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 as I understand it, have been given a link uh, and they will be developing some sort of functionality, I imagine, in their apps that makes it a bit easier. I mean, my, my problem with it is like this should have been a day one thing not a two-year-on thing and we're still messing about with this and I, I i think it's easier actually if you're in america to come over here and put scores in in the gym than it actually is for us for us to do it over there um so that so if you're listening to this in different parts of the world obviously your experience of it might be a bit different to ours but ours is that trying to put a score in in scotland is a total faff i mean like to the point where you just go no i can't be bothered with this um, like I mean, like, even the current arrangement, you know, if I'm if I'm a club and a load of visiting golfers come and give me a load of their scores and say, can you put these in the system? I'll be like, yeah, I'll get right on it. <laughs> I've got, I haven't got anything else in my huge pile of paperwork that I want to do. So it's still like, even though they've they've made good strides at trying to sort it out, it still isn't working, is it? We've got a great example in our in our own office, haven't we? Of of, of Dan, who hasn't, he's been playing in Scotland for a lot of the year, hasn't put a qualifying round in, or sorry, a general play score in all year because it's in Scotland and it's a fath. Now he can't enter competitions in England because he hasn't put the scores in. Which means I can't play in the Winter League. Is, isn't I that the flaw? Yeah, you know, just to, just to like... Winter put... League with Hannah because she's a girl and that's not allowed either. It's ridiculous. But just, just to put... To like put these this problem of interoperability into like one sentence that's the issue with it so here you've got a player that has tried can't be fussed with the faff and as a result is now is now being penalized at home because of system that's supposed to be universally around in the world isn't working properly right it is it is a really good example isn't it um and i think yeah, I mean, we're so we're I'm at an event with people from all over the world and uh, 300 people or whatever, 400 people play golf on more than that. 500 people play golf on Monday. None of them would have submitted a score. Well, it's a text scramble, but none of them would have submitted a score because you can't. It's it is incredible that it, that was the way in which the um, the system set off and i mean just to be clear for our our listeners the reason that you can't do it is because the um software provision was left as a decision to the individual countries national federations or governing bodies um and they all cho and they chosen to go in different directions um they most of them put the the projects out to tender most of them chose to go with an existing isv some countries have used proprietary software that they've built from scratch um, and never the twain shall meet. So very few countries are using the same software. So in order to get all of these different applications talking to one another and then feeding into a central database of handicaps, it's like unspeakably complicated. Um, so it hasn't happened. Um, and it's, it, 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 again, it's something that from the beginning, I think was a flawed decision and has meant we've gone off in a very, very strange direction. Um, and I don't know how that unpicks itself, really, because different software does not want to speak to each other. Anybody who's ever tried uh, uses a, a PC and an iPhone will know that it's very difficult to get these things to work together. Um, and it, 
yeah, it's it's undermining a system that was supposed to create this kind of equitable system cross cross border. So I think that's a big problem. Um, Dan, of course, has got the option to write his score down in Scotland and submit it in the old fashioned way, right? It's, it's all about pre-registering and telling people that you're doing it and then handing it in in the correct manner. And then, I mean, the, the old version was like this this new way of doing it is slightly less convoluted. The old way was like, theoretically, you had to tell your club you were going to Scotland to say to go and play some golf and you'd be putting some scores in. Then you had to go and tell the club in Scotland that you were going to be putting a score in. You then had to give them the scorecard back because obviously it had to count towards PCC while obviously taking a copy of that scorecard to then take it home to your home club to give it to your club secretary and hope that your club secretary would then put it into the system. It's slightly less convoluted now. You tell the host club that you're going to be playing and you give the host club the scorecard and they input it into the system. But even then that's relying on, like, we will eventually get to a position where um, when the ISVs do their thing, that um, you just, you'll just go into the computer and you'll tap it in in the same way that you would a medal score at your, at your, um, at your home club or a Stableford score. But again, we're two years in here and we're still messing about with this. Two years in. I'm still not sure we'll ever get to that point. But anyway, um, it does, I think that sort of leads on to another point on my list um, is about this kind of, it feels like the system is easier to manipulate. Um, so because casual rounds count, because there's this kind of, I guess, to give people their due, a kind of lack of understanding really about how the system works. Do I have to, if, am I submitting every round I play? Am I picking and choosing which rounds I submit sort of posthumously or am I, like I, I think there is a sort of lack of a grasp of how that works and there's certainly a lack of formality about counting rounds. Um, I don't want to sort of get all misty eyed about the, the the previous handicap system in the way that people do about footballers when they're injured, they all of a sudden get a lot better if their team's not perform performing well. But this system does feel like it's more easily manipulated, either up or down. So I, I again, had a very fixed position on this at the start, which I've pretty much changed my view of. Um, I mean, the whole problem with this is going back to the essential argument of should every round count or not. And the and, and WHS is built around every round counting, because if you think about the way that your handicap works, what were we told in the run-up? We were told, right, your handicap would be more accurate if you put in more scores. So my handicap at the moment is terribly inaccurate because I'm woefully out of form, but I'm only playing once a week or once a fortnight, so it's not catching up, right? But if I put every round in, it would catch up. So that leads me to, to, to where I was at the start. I initially thought it would be very easy to catch cheaters with WHS because I thought if you put in a load of bad scores and then put in a good score just in time for a board competition, it would be very easy to see. Uh, and I think for cheaters who are unbelievably stupid, that, that, is, that is the way. But I actually think most people are not stupid and that cheating for those who want to do it could be very much more nuanced. I was playing a general play around, a rare one, a couple of weeks ago because a mate of mine was in a rolling Stableford and he needed a partner and we were going to be playing off the yellows and I thought, right, I'll, I'll put in a rolling Stableford. And I was having an okay around and the thought 
came into my head that this was going to become a counting round in essentially a non-competition round. Now that didn't bother me at all. I've been in such poor form. I was just happy to be playing okay. But it struck me that if I wanted to sabotage that round in that in that environment, I wouldn't have to do a lot. You know, like if, if I had a 50, a 50 foot putt, very easy to three putt from there, isn't it? Very easy to hold, you know, if you go in a bunker to just leave it in a bunker. Obviously, we're talking about golfer integrity here, but the different, the, the point I'm getting to in a really long winded way is, you know, we 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 think about cheating is, oh, this, this player's put a load of 95s in and now suddenly shot 75 on tournament day. But actually, it'll be massively more nuanced than that, won't it? We, and general play allows that because the, the system's not going to say, oh, he's put a load of 88s in and here's an 82. He's all, do you know what I mean? And how easy is it to do that with general play? It's like so easy to do it, you know, because how could you ever tell? Oh, I've just missed. I've just three putted from fifty feet. Nothing unusual about that, is there? But what if I deliberately did it because I was having a? Do you see what I'm trying to say? I do. I do see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um. I mean, to play devil's advocate to that point, and you did touch on it yourself. Like it is, it does come down to player integrity, and all all systems can be manipulated. Um. I just feel like this one, it kind of, it kind of opens the door to manipulation, right? Um. It's like. In the olden days, when you had to get your point for category one golf, certainly to get your point one back, you had to be playing in a competition. That in itself means there's more eyes on you. Those competitions are less frequent. The ability to keep going up and up and up, you went up slower. So the idea of sandbagging for the big tournament day was harder, I think, and it still relied on you playing well on that big tournament day. This way around, it feels like you can like quickly rush your handicap up at a time to suit you. Yeah, all down. And I mean, yeah. like social, I, I don't know the veracity of these, but social media is full of those kind of anecdotal tales, aren't they, of people who go off to a different course and suddenly shoot a great score, aren't they? I mean, like you don't have to look very far on a search term to find people complaining about that kind of thing. Someone's telling me a story about um, a young lad who's been on a trip recently and he's played six rounds of golf and he's submitted one when he's got back, his best one. And it's hard to be too curmudgeonly about it, isn't it? Because like it's someone who's trying to get their handicap down. They want to be sort of playing in better and better competitions. They want to be able to tell their mates they're off scratch or whatever else. But it's still not right, is it? No, because it's keeping perhaps it's keeping you out of a competition. Well, if, I mean, you know, yeah, but it's there's it's not, not just the, victory, is there? I mean, you know, we, we think about this. We think about this in black and white. We think about people picking up pots. And actually, there are very many more reasons for people to try and manipulate their handicap than just I want to win a competition. It can be I want to get into a competition for a start, can't it? Yeah. And then the other problem with this is that, which is not to do with people manipulating it, it's just through the system. The more you play, the more accurate your handicap becomes. But how often do most golfers actually play? That's another problem, isn't it? Yeah, so my, I will say because uh, we're giving we're giving WHS some pelters here, so let's I'll be a bit balanced on the other side as well, and I'll say it is a bit more reflective of form. You know, I've had a terrible year, um, and I've gone I've put in twenty scores, I think twenty one scores, and I've gone up three point three on my handicap index. Well, I would have only gone up two before, right? I would have gone up point one, point one, point one, point one. I got I'd have gone up two full shots, and I've gone up three and a bit. 
uh, in handicap index. So it is more reflective of the way that I'm playing. You know, it, no, it has noticed the fact that I've been putting dog poo in all year in terms of my scores. It's not been as reflective as it would have been if I'd have to put every round in. I'd have obviously hit the hard cap probably by now at five. But, you know, there is, there is, I do, I do think it catches up with you a bit quicker than than the Congo system did. So I will give it that credit. And as I say, you know, there are parts of the system I like, but we're going to get on now, aren't we, to some parts, more parts of the system that I don't like. Um, so other things on my list are, well, PCC. So um, this has kind of replaced uh, SSS and um, CSS, or it's replaced CSS, isn't it? So, and I guess this is, for me, as someone who's, played category one or scratch goal for a long time you used to obsess about this stuff right and um, so the old in the olden days um i play old woodley off our white tees it's par 72 uh and it was it used to have a css of 75 uh and if it was windy or rainy then you could sorry an sss of 75 and if it was windy or rainy you could basically guarantee that the css would go up to 78 or it would become a non-qualifier, often it would become a non-qualifier. Um, so you had an acknowledgement of the fact it's a hard golf course being played by moderate golfers in difficult conditions, and therefore the, the level at which your handicap altered got, got much, much higher. Um, now, there was manipulation certainly in those days where you would look out for this, so it was really good to go and play on these days where you knew it was going to be a non-qualifier and you knew it was going to be a free hit. Um, for someone trying to get their handicap down, obviously a high was massively beneficial. Um, it used to feel like the CSS very, very infrequently came down, certainly not at my club. It was a relatively, relatively clear way of uh, that CSS being calculated, which felt like it was broadly understood. Um, it wasn't often when you bemoaned that the CSS hadn't moved, you felt it should do, I think sometimes, but not often. Um, and now uh, I've played, however many rounds I've played under um, WHS, and I can't think of a single occasion that PCC has moved, never moves. But I don't even think it exists. And no one knows how it works either. No one seems to know how it works. So we had this, we had a change with the PCC in August. Um, and I've yet to see any results of this um, to see. I mean, it was only talking about a 5% change possibly in the number of scores that would qualify for the PCC. England Golf, when they when they announced that, said that they thought that that was a significant change. Um, to be fair to them, I've not gone back yet after maybe six or seven weeks to say, actually, have we seen any more um, instances of PCC. My own anecdotal um, view is uh, it hasn't changed, but then I haven't necessarily played in the kind of conditions where it would change. So it's probably a bit unfair to um, to, to pile into the change um, without enough empirical data, statistical data to, to 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 go on. But but look, going back, I mean, you're absolutely right. PCC hasn't worked. It's been a disaster. In general, I mean, like a total disaster. I think I've played uh, forty odd rounds where PCC could have applied, and it's applied once. Um, it, going back at uh, once, and I've played in I've I've played in some horror conditions. I've played in some massively windy conditions. Um, 
the 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 bigger issue with PCC is no one knows how it works. It's been described to me by various people as a black box calculation. Oh, it just goes on under the under the hood, and no one knows what quite what it's doing. I'm so I'm so sure maths experts somewhere know how it works, but um, you don't need to know how it works. You just need to play your rounds and get on with your golf. Well, right. Lots of golfers like to know how these things work because they just like to know. Um, so let's give let's give the changes to PCC the benefit of the doubt for a little while. Um, but I suspect that we'll be coming back and having this conversation again in the middle of next year saying PCC, it doesn't work. It's still rubbish. Um, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I know I know this because you're you're like um, you're an absolute died in the world club golfer. So one of the things I used to love with Congo was I knew what my handicap was going to be and I knew if I had a good round I could work out how much I was going up or going down now I have just no clue I have no idea I, I can have a reasonable bat at it um, but there are sometimes I put rounds in over par uh, over my handicap I've got no counting round in my score or one carry round in my score under handicap so i've put in an overpower round and i still get cut and i just think like how how is this how is this even possible all of my eight scores are bad and i'm still getting cut for a bad score or for a score that's just reasonably less bad i mean in fact i, I love that about i love that about congo right i've i've four shots under handicap so i'm going to get docked 0.8 so i'm going to be this there was a certainty about that that's just completely gone with WHS. So I am going to play sort of devil's advocate a little bit on that. And I do think my footballer analogy is uh, is valid here. Like you just said, I loved Kongu. Like if we if we go back. Right, I loved that part of Kongu. Okay, okay. If we go back four years, I'm sure there were enough people rattling around on Facebook saying that Kongu was a crock of shit as well. Like let's not, let's be straight about it. Um, but the... And I, I think there's also an element of you don't you're not quite as au fait with the system as you once were. So I I would agree with you that you and I would probably have sat there and thought right. So I've shot. I, I know that I'm off four point three, and it's, so if I go out today and have a good round, I can get down to three point five, and that's my target handicap for the year. And you'd have done that calculation in advance. And furthermore, you you then leave knowing a good idea that the, you'd have a good idea the CSS was going to go up one because there'd be a sort of a, a forecast for that, and you'd be able to on your drive home you're thinking, oh my handicap would have gone up or down, it gone up point one or would have gone down point three or whatever else, and that that was sort of all part of it in terms of the experience you were kind of immersed in the experience for longer, I guess. And now I agree that you do feel a bit in the dark. You sort of just stuff your scoring and whatever will be, will be. But you can work out what effect that round will have. You have to add up the eight scores, divide by eight, the difference by eight, and lo and behold, that will be the that will be the change. But it is more complicated. Um, yeah, differentials for a start. Well, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I think I have sat there once and tried to work out how you would calculate it sort of before you go and play and it is possible but it is yeah it is way more complicated there's a there's a grayness about it i think is is the point where the and pcc is part of that the differentials is another part of that and the kind of just massive amount of numbers is another part of that that it feels like you're sort of being told rather than you any kind of like um awareness of what's happening to you um 
but PCC, so are there any, have we, have we heard from England Golf or from anybody else that PCC is going to change, so that's going to become more transparent or not? Yeah, so there's this new, this is changes that, that was done in, in August that I was talking about earlier, um, where they've recognised the handicapping authorities that it wasn't working as they wanted it to work. So they've made an adjustment to the calculation that came into effect sort of middle of August. So the point I was making earlier is, you know, it is a bit early, isn't it, to be saying, you know, you can't have a change like that and then say, after six to eight weeks, oh, it isn't working, it isn't working. You know, we need a year of data really to see. So we're not a fan of PCC, but we think something's happening about it. Um, and I guess like it is a new system, it will have teething problems. I think everyone sort of accepts that. Um, it was a, a kind of seismic change. Yeah. Um, the big, if, I mean, there was a rules change, wasn't there, whatever it was, four or five years ago, which was big, but this one is, was was massive for golf. I mean, it totally sort of changed the way that we kind of work from a handicap point of view. So there was always going to be difficulties with it. Um, the other, another thing I've written down is is around the rating of courses for um, different genders or different tees for different genders, um, and this just feels like a kind of open goal that's been missed. Um, there's an awful lot of um, talk about trying to make the game more open and accommodating, um, regardless of who you are. Um, there's been an awful lot of there's a, a big movement to try and get um, get rid of the idea of ladies tees in inverted commas and have um, just ability tees. Um, given that that is such a current debate and this handicap system is so current, it does feel like a missed opportunity not to have done that from the start. I mean, there's a wider problem with course rating, I think. So let's get on to course rating generally after this. Um, but I think. I think this is just bogged down to, or come down, sorry, to uh, a very simple answer of resource um, in that um, when they were doing this, they were doing, uh, and I, I mean the governing bodies rating golf courses under the USGA course rating system, they were doing it at a bit of a rush. Um, they had thousands to go and do and try and do in time for um, the introduction of WHS. I mean, remember, WHS was supposed to come in in 2019 and did in some parts of the world. Um, you know, it only came in here 2020. I think it, I think in a lot of other parts of the world, it started in January 2020 and it came here in November. So you've got a governing body, you've got governing bodies that are rushing around trying to rate courses. And I think there's money involved in that, even though the teams are volunteers, there's obviously expenses involved in that. And I think then the pandemic came, right? Um, so everyone was locked away for a while um, on a number of occasions. And I think it's just come down to let's get the ones that we need doing the most done right now and then we'll go and revisit it. Um, I'd like to think that they'd revisit it. I mean, I, I did have a chat with England Golf's uh, relatively new in post course rating manager and asked him specifically about that, this question. So there is, well, maybe we'll put the link into this piece and in, in, in the um, in the podcast shell where people can read it. But it, 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 what he was essentially saying was as regards um, rating all tees for all genders on, and we, we're really talking about rating other tees for women here. So let's let's drill in on that. He's essentially saying that, that clubs would need to show a need, i.e. would the tees get used? Would they get used enough, enough to make the resource of having to go and rate them 
worthwhile. Yeah. So if clubs can show a need, you know, if they've, you've got scratch competition, for example, then I imagine like we did at our own course at York, you know, we've got, we, we, we've had all tees rated recently for, uh, for every ability and, and gender. And part of the reason I think, you know, and, and we've got the girls amateur coming next year. So, you know, it was, it was really important that we did that. There's a definite need and a definite use to do that. Um, but I, I think, I mean, you'd like to think in the fullness of time, we'll just all get done, won't they? Well, as I understand it, they are now able to, well, there's two things that I would say about your comment. So it feels to me that the pandemic in terms of the rollout of um, WHS as an overall entity, not just in relation to course rating, was a bit of a saviour because it meant that it was a very soft landing because there were so few rounds being played at that point or there were so few competitive rounds being played and we're now i think we're now only really one season in when the grumbles have really sort of surfaced from people who experienced the system competitively on a particular point of um course rating um as i understand it they now can rate courses remotely so they don't actually have to visit um which obviously saves time and resource they'll give you a temporary rating but i mean to give you an to give you an official rating they're still going to need a team on the ground you know filling out that form you know looking at looking at all obstacles and psychological difficulty and you know so i mean i i accept yes you can get a temporary rating i think there's a there's a course near us isn't there woolly park that's done exactly that they've got a temporary rating um for for some of their um for some of their agenda tees but ultimately it needs boots on the ground doesn't it yeah we're, we're oh, Woodley are doing the temporary rating thing this this winter and that's being done remotely um i just think it's kind of it's indicative of quite a lot of lip service is too strong a word but because i think everyone does want it to happen but if you're going to say this is an equitable game and it's everyone everybody is welcome then you need to sort of put your money where your mouth is sometimes and say actually this is a fundamental change and i totally understand as a business owner resource capital cost human resource these are massive factors but if your decision tree is so let's get the men sorted from the men's tees and the women's sorted from the women's tees that is not an equitable decision making process at all that is uh we've always done it um so I think that is a real missed opportunity. And if it meant that we had to delay it a year, then so what? No, I agree. I agree entirely. Um, I, I, I don't know why, uh, on the one hand, we're um, talking so strongly about um, equality, diversity and inclusion in golf and then allowing something like let this to happen. Um, and then we think this, the, the overall sort of course rating system process is not quite right. So I, there, there were just too many anecdotal stories of, you know, clubs with traditionally very hard golf courses somehow having relatively low course ratings compared to other places. I mean, I'm a perfect example of this, but because I've gone from a course that um, was 6,730 yards, but wide open, um, albeit with some real challenges, force carries over water, um for you know particularly on the closing hole i've gone to a course that um is 6350 yards off the whites um but it's incredibly tight um you know lots of trees 
um, you know, if you slightly pull or slightly fade a shot, you're in trouble. You know, you're in trouble. A, a lot of um, long par fours because it's a par 70. And yet the difference between those two courses in terms of slope, because course rating is slightly different, is 136 to 128. So I actually lose shots on what I consider to be a much more difficult golf course. Now, I'm sure someone who's dealing with course rating would just say, well, that's you. You find that course harder, but we're we're course rating and we're slope rating for different kinds of players. I mean, obviously the, the course rating is a scratch player, as in a zero. The slope rating is a 19, 20 handicapper for men, 24 for women. So they're, they're basing it on a player that's different to me fundamentally in terms of strength, but there are just too many anecdotal things about this. It just feels to me like it's not, it's just, Drilling down to my point, it feels to me like too much of course rating is about length and not about other things involved in the structure of that golf course. Have you seen have you seen the document that this B1, is how we do yeah. it? Yeah, I've seen yeah. Yeah. a long time ago. It might have changed. I, I saw it pre-WHS, but I've, I've seen the form that they used to do it. I mean, it's very measured. I mean, as, as England Golf have said to me, and when I when I spoke to their course rating people, I mean, like, there's not a lot of this that's open to chance. You know, it is like measured down to the minute levels. But I suppose my argument is, are the are the are the, are the numbers that people are using the be all and end all of it, or should we actually go out to a golf course with our eyes and say oh, this is a very difficult golf course, even though it might not be the longest you've ever seen? Yeah. Um... I think it's I think that is probably worth a sort of deep dive on its own like we should yeah. go through some of that um those uh factors and see what we think and see if that is what makes a golf course difficult or not um and these people like know what they're talking about don't they they're they're steeped Absolutely. in golf and I would say the other thing I would say about that is that um SSS was always maligned for the same reason um and I can think of examples of golf courses with uh, SSS below their par that people grumbled about and they would put a back tee in over at 30 yards just to try and nudge over a, a particular limit. Um, so I think that, that there is a little bit of um, a little bit of misty eyed stuff around SSS there because we, we you, everyone used to moan about that as well. And I accept that I am an unusual player in the sense that I'm a lower handicapper who's a short hitter. I mean, there are, but but on the other hand, I would say there are 20 handicappers or 22 handicappers who can hit the ball miles further than I can. So if length is such an important part of course rating, which it, which it appears to me to be, I'm sure people will come back and say you're completely wrong and this is why. And great, I'd, I'd love to hear that argument. Um, but yeah, I, I think course rating is definitely worth a deeper dive. Deeper dive. All about deep dives these days. Um, so I think I'm kind of getting to the bottom of my list. The, the other things I've got to say, I guess, are slightly more ethereal. Um, and I maybe wouldn't necessarily die on the hill of them. I, I think it's interesting that we have to adjust handicaps um, for match play. Even though we've now got a new handicap system, you would have thought the handicap system would work for all formats if it was good enough 
Um, some pretty strong counter arguments to that, but it's one more calculation we need to do. Well, yeah, what is the point of the playing handicap could be, again, an, another issue on its own. I, I understand its equitable purpose, uh, and I think a lot of golfers do. A lot of golfers don't realise that it was actually there in previous iterations of handicapping. It was just hidden behind the scenes and, and now it's out there. But um, I do sympathise with the view of some people, which is, well, we've been through this massive thing that was supposed to make all of our handicaps more equal. Now we've got these handicap indexes that are our supposed handicaps, and then we have to change them again to play in competitions because we're told they're not equitable. Can you just go through? So we're we're on the first tee uh, at where should we play? Where do you fancy playing today, Steve? Let's do all Woodley because I know it well, and really? it's a lovely golf. Yeah, it's a lovely golf course. I don't get to play okay. very often. So we're playing all Woodley. It's a lovely autumn morning. Uh, you've done all of your work for the week, and we're going to play uh, a match play against each other. Let's just go through what we have to do, why we have to do it. Well, if we're playing a singles match play, it's dead easy because it's 100%. Oh, bad example. So we've both got a partner. They were both <laughs> male. And we're, playing so, off the, and we're playing off the yellow tees. Yeah, so, so, uh, you're doing, so you're doing exactly essentially what you did before, which is there's an allowance for that format of the game. And then you're, you know, I mean, the easy way to do it, obviously, is to subtract off the lowest player and so forth. And um, I think that's the way you do it. The computer generally does it for me. Um, thank God for software. So when I've played when when I've played in match play, Tom, it's basically been done on. It's been done in the app, and the app has told us how many shots that we've got. And this okay. is what a lot of people say about actual world handicapping. Just let the computer do it. The computer will do it. More difficult when you're playing a mixed foursomes where the computer isn't there to help you out. It's a lot more difficult then. And don't ask me about mixed foursomes because I haven't got a clue. Yeah. But in in a sense, in in essence, it hasn't really changed. I mean, the allowances might have changed slightly depending on um, which format you're playing. So, for example, ninety five percent has become ninety percent. Um, right, so so we're, we're playing four ball better ball, and we've 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 gone and we've all got our um, handicap index, and we've all worked out our playing handicap for that golf course. Then we work out the difference between the the bottom person and the top person. And then we take 95 percent is that right uh, yeah possibly <laughs> 95 percent of the difference of the playing handicap i mean I, I used to know this off by heart back this is this is what whs has done to me tom i used to know this off off by heart in the old days but now the computer just does it as you look at the computer and it goes you get you get five shots or you get seven shots off you go yeah it's 95 percent of the difference of the playing handicaps um, which I think is odd, given that we've got a system that has just been redeveloped to try and make it equitable from the get-go. And I would also add that as a low handicapper, my handicap never moves based on the course, and the high handicap always moves. Yeah, what I would say about playing handicap is it only, it only applies in the competition. Right. Um, so you would only see a playing handicap like in if you were going and turning up to a medal or Stableford. I, 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 might, 
I'm going to edit this out if I'm wrong, so you'll never hear the light of day. But I think when you what you're talking about in terms of allowances there in match play formats, it's just off the course handicap. It wouldn't yeah. be off the playing handicap because yeah. the playing yeah. handicap is 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 a really weird thing that applies to particular formats of the game and doesn't actually affect your handicap in any way in terms of the score that actually appears in your record, which is yeah. confusing in itself. Because um, you know, I mean, I I I actually, I've written about this as well. I I hate the oh i'm supposed to get 13 course handicap shots but i actually only get 12 in this competition because the playing handicappers and it, and it's fine tom saying to me well this always used to happen in the old days anyway well yeah but i didn't see it it like wasn't being played out in front of my eyes was it I wasn't literally like looking at my scorecard and seeing a shot disappear because it's there written in front of me. I mean, like psychologically, that does have an effect, I think. Oh, I'm well, I'm only getting 12 shots, but I'm supposed to actually have 13. Yeah, I think. Right. So I think I'm kind of reaching the end of my uh, I feel quite sated now. We've kind of I've got a lot of it off my chest. You've got um, me wound up now. I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, I guess like just for balance, like it's still golf, right? And we've all still got a handicap index, which is somewhere close yeah. to our kind of playing capability and it is a new system and it feels like the governing bodies are listening and it's not set in stone and it will get tweaked and altered until it gets as close to um as good as it can be and it will never be perfect right no no i mean like no handicapping system is perfect otherwise in horse racing every horse would get to the line at the same time they don't do they because handicapping is not perfect and you know all right we've we've drilled into some really specific criticisms about WHS over the last couple of years. But on the whole, I'm still in favour of the system as I was pre-2020. Um, yeah. I do like when they sort this stuff out, you know, in terms, I, I do like the fact that your course, your, your handicap changes from course to course. I do like the fact that eventually you're going to be able to go into other countries and play scores simply and easily. That will happen at some point. It has to, right? It will happen at some point. So my principle, the principles of WHS, I like, I still like them. I just think that at the moment, the overall positivity I have for the system is being ground down by what we describe as software bugs, right? Yeah. So I think I'm very much on the same page as you. I think that the intention of it and the spirit of it is absolutely right. More people playing more often, recording their scores, more accurate handicapping, uh, this kind of kind of Strava mentality of you able to track your own progress much more clearly. It just needs some clarification in terms of like what scores are we putting in and what scores are we putting in? And it needs these soft these software bugs uh, ironing out. Um, yeah. And then I think the things we've talked around around course rating pcc feels like they are they're more things that they are manageable things like they 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 can alter those things they can get the t's rated they can tweak pcc um but they're yeah there are there are fundamental things to me around what scores are we supposed to um submit and why not all countries playing by the same rules uh and then the other thing is just around uh the it's a good debate, isn't it? And like, let's face it, we all like it's something to talk about, right? Well, it's a bit like VAR. It's a bit like VAR. We're supposed to end arguments. It's causing more arguments. We've we've been talking about it for nearly an hour, and we've barely scratched the surface. So we could we could easily keep going. I've got seven percent battery, so 
I think we'll move on um, and we need to thank thank the Lord for this 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 week's rules query. A chap called David Lord has written in. Uh, we don't know where he's a member. I wish we knew some more people about these people. We need some colour here, right? Uh, and I think this is a brilliant one. I read this and I was like, I've got no idea about this. Literally no idea. So David Lloyd writes very politely. Hi, Steve. Can you please explain a ruling? I love the way that people treat you like um, Google for rules. We need a word for it, don't we? Rugal something. Anyway, not sure. Not sure where a ball had come to rest. Another player shakes a small bush and a ball falls to the ground. The ball is identified. What is the ruling? Play the ball as it lies without penalty, question mark. Take a drop with a penalty, question mark. Mm. Um, this, sounds, this sounds more complicated than it actually is, um, but we have to go into the interpretations of particular rules to find the exact answer. Um, so you're allowed to you're allowed to take uh, a number of actions in trying to find your ball, right? You, you you know you're allowed to do a certain number of things, and Rule Seven Point Four talks about a ball accidentally moved in trying to find or identify it, which is essentially what's happened here. I mean, the player doesn't know the ball is in the bush, right? They're shaking the bush to see if it's in there. So the ball's been accidentally moved in trying to it's find. Also, it's also his playing partner, not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 7.4 says there is no penalty if the player's ball is accidentally moved by the player opponent or anyone else while trying to find or identify it. Then when we go into the interpretations, which you can find in the huge official guide to the rules of golf, if you want to look this up, it's 7.4 slash 2, which is titled lengthily, Player attempts to dislodge ball in tree or step on ball in tall grass during search. And what this interpretation says is if a ball is accidentally moved when a player is trying to find or identify it, rule 7.4 applies and the ball must be replaced on the estimated without penalty. It says this rule also applies in situations when the player is attempting to find the ball and takes reasonable actions that are likely to reveal the ball's location. And it uses a specific example of this where it says the player believes his or her ball has come to rest in a tree and shakes the tree, hoping to dislodge and find the ball. So what you essentially do is you shake the bush, the ball falls out, right? That's my ball. There's no penalty for doing that. And you basically put it back. So you put it back in the tree? In the bush, yeah. Or you, you basically you, you basically find, you basically replace it on its original spot. And if you can't replace it on its original spot, you estimate it. So you basically put it back in the tree as, as far as you can, and then you decide what to do about that. Are you going to play it out of the bush? Are you then going to take unplayable ball relief using the right, spot okay. as the ball? Um, so, so there you are. So the answer is, I hope I haven't... Um, um, drilled that out for too long. The answer is there's no penalty. Um, the ruling is put it back, replace it on its original spot. If you don't know that, estimate it and then decide what you want to do with it after that. You know, do you want to play as it lies? Do you want to take lateral relief from an unplayable ball? Do you want to go back and take stroke and distance and hit it from where you played it before? But that's the answer. That is absolutely incredible, Steve. Like, I, there's no way, if, if you'd asked me to guess that, then I'd have said we just play it from where it lies because you didn't shake it. 
That's amazing. Um, is that so? Is that the same as if a bird picks your ball up and puts it down somewhere else, and you saw it happen? Do you put it back where? It, Right, well, well, yes, uh, yeah, but it's under a di- that's under a different rule because that's an outside influence that's essentially moved your ball. But you know, if you if if you see your ball is on the fairway and you see a big and you, I've I've seen this happen myself, you see a big crow swoop down and pick the ball up and take it away, then you know you, it's known or virtually certain that your ball was moved by an outside influence there, and you basically just put the put a put a ball down where that is and if you obviously don't know exactly where it is you estimate as close as you can that's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant um right i think we'll call it a day um i do want people to subscribe to this podcast so we're going to be doing weekly podcasts which are going to be this kind of deep dive into um uh, club golf issues whs obviously, obviously a massive topic feels like we might revisit some of that in yet more detail we're also going to be getting stuck into uh, rules queries. Uh, Steve, as you know, is a qualified rules official. Uh, so it's really helpful to us if you subscribe to the podcast. I am now going to go and talk to some more people about their golf resorts around the world. We'll see you again soon then, Tom. See you, <laughs> Happy selling. Bye.